0: They're a group of regular guys taking on established billionaires in the Travers Stakes. Wait, do you think we're talking about the owners of the favorite Tis the Law? Not quite. We'll introduce you to Orlando Noda. Plus, we'll preview the Travers and the Ellis Park Derby and set the scene for the rescheduled Kentucky Derby. It's all straight ahead on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gates. They're about to move
1: in. Right, right,
0: this is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course, in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app, and please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us. Think that'll get us some brownie points in the America's Best Racing Fan Choice Awards in November? You know, Best Podcast? Or should I keep drinking Clorox? The favorite for Saturday's Traverse Stakes is the Belmont Stakes winner, Tis the Law. The owners of Tis the Law, a group of fairly regular guys from the Saratoga area, they go by Sacatoga Stables, are the same guys who owned Funnyside, the winner of the 2003 Kentucky Derby in Preakness. They showed up to each Triple Crown race in a yellow school bus, not a limo. It was a scene to which many of us could relate. But I'm going to give you a comparison of two other owners of horses running in Saturday's Travers. They are George and Laurie Hall, who own the third-place finisher in the Belmont, Max Player, and Orlando and Jonathan Noda, who, like their Travers entrant, first line, are the longest of long shots. George Hall is the founder of a hedge fund, the Clinton Group. That company's assets reached a high of $5.5 billion in 2016. Orlando Noda is a 31-year-old trainer who co-owns all of his horses with his brother Jonathan, who's in the car business. George Hall and his wife Lori sold a six-level Manhattan penthouse in 2017 for somewhere around $38 million. Orlando Noda's biggest return on investment so far... Has been the horse T Loves a Fight, whom Noda claimed for $10,000 in May of 2019 and whose win a month later represented his trainer's first ever. T Loves a Fight won four races for his trainer and finished second last week in the John Morrissey at Saratoga. You get the idea. Max Player for George and Laurie Hall won the Withers Stakes back in February and finished third in the Belmont Stakes in June first line for Orlando Nota, just earned his first win in four tries, and he's returning on only ten days' rest to take on an imposing field. But if his trainer's story is any harbinger, don't count first line out, and we are pleased to welcome to Win the Gate for the first time the trainer of first line, Orlando Nota. What went into the decision to turn this horse around in just ten days?
2: Oh, the horse came out of it good, and uh, I nominated him prior to even running that special weight. Cause I figured if that special weight wasn't going to go, I was I was going to test my luck there and press on him because the horse had shown me talent ever since I had him. And I think I got a strike while the, while the iron is hot right now, and everything is just clicking on all cylinders. So I think we're just going to give it a go. It's just not every day that we can have a three-year-old peak at the right time be it because of this coronavirus that maybe i might uh might just be able to pull off the upset and get my derby points that uh that i hyped the horse up about since the beginning
0: yeah you had said to a couple of racing aficionados over the winter that you had a derby horse in first line what made you think that then
2: oh no the, the horse is super talented from the first time that we breached him uh, we knew we had something special i'm not the lightest of riders and And the horse is just floating on the track with me. And I just can't picture it any other way because everything has just played out to where it should as he broke his his maiden here in Saratoga. And I think the past two races, at six furlongs, it was just a little bit too short for him for his long stride. And he just went comfortable in in those fractions, fighting the mile and an ace. And not many horses can hold up fighting the whole time like that they are at the
1: top of the stretch hometown in first line and they've been at it right from the start first line on the outside pokes ahead in front hometown continues to battle down at the rail and now they're at the eighth pole it is first line and hometown they're gonna battle for a mile a furlong here first line ahead in front hometown not giving up they come for the finish and first line is first under the wire
0: yeah I mean that Race. I'm wondering if he's even cooled out yet from that race. I mean, that was Affirmed in Aladar Ryerdan against Jiper. I mean, it was neck and neck for a mile and an eighth. I mean, how do you think that part of a race is going to affect him? The ten days notwithstanding.
2: Keep him fresh. I'm. Uh, I'm not doing much with him, and uh, I'm just going to keep him fresh to the to the race. And he's going to show up on the racetrack, and that's how he is. He's all game once he gets onto the track. He's a. Uh very level-headed once once he gets into training we just like to train i'm just keep him just keep him on his toes keep him fresh and ready to fire for, for the
0: drivers your stable is obviously small i mean how many horses exactly do you have at the moment we got 18 well in a little more than 125 career starts your horses are finished in the top three over half the time now, how much of that success is training the horses and how much of it is placing the horses in the right spot?
2: Well, I try to place them where they win, but uh, a lot of handicappers say I'm a, I'm a tough uh, trainer to, to handicap because I can claim a horse for 16 and run them in an optional or, or step them up to a starter. I think if the horse just shows me anything, I try to test the waters going up before I drop a horse or keep them at the same level to see what type of horse I am dealing with but uh, overall I think it has worked in my benefit and I just train it's not in a conventional way that uh, every horse does the same thing every day so I just train individual horses individually and I think it just has worked out for us in, in a positive way.
0: the obvious follow-up is that you're taking a horse with a very modest resume first line and taking a shot in the signature grade one race of the entire Saratoga meeting I mean your success notwithstanding how do you feel about trying this
2: oh I'm not I'm not backing down from the challenge as long as the horse is healthy and happy come entry day we ended up lining up the rider who's going to be David Cohen he's getting on the horse just to gallop him around just feel him out and everything everything plays out, where uh, we're bound to run against the, the elites.
0: Your father is an owner and trainer in Miami, Jose Nota Fernandez. What was it like working for him? Oh, He's more of an old-school trainer, really stronger gallops, make sure that they have
2: air in them, and it's just a different uh, old-school mentality of train them hard and, uh, and they'll run hard. Don't get me wrong, I, I do train my horses pretty hard as long as they eat, and uh, I think that's why most of them have a good finish, just to be able to have that, that wind in them. And it's just a blessing to have my dad on the phone where I, I have a, some type of issues. Hey, what have you done? What have you experienced? And that what hasn't worked? What hasn't worked for him? And uh, we're just bouncing off ideas between me and my brother and him.
0: You moved up the road to Ocala after that, which feels like it's a world away from Miami, working for two pretty reputable outfits, Hartley Dorenzo and the now late J.J. Krupe, and then Mark Cassie. What was it like working for these operations?
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to go up there to learn the base, the foundation of how they started babies. That's why I went to the big names. I wanted to see what they were feeding, how much they were training, how they started them off. And that's a, what I replic, replicated in my own form into my Philly GT Sonia. She ended up winning for me here in Saratoga last year. And just learning from each and every one, you you make your own training regimens and, and your feeding and, and how you take care
0: of a horse overall. Trainer Orlando Noda joins us here on In the Gate. He'll send out first line in Saturday's Traverse Stakes. You decided right from the start when you took out your trainer's license to train in New York where the competition and the costs of doing business are higher than anywhere else in the country, why did you choose to start in New York?
2: Oh, I wanted to test the waters against the elites, but what really attracted me was uh, aqueduct winter Meet, Short fields, big money, and um, you can claim a horse for $25,000 anywhere, yet you can claim a $25,000 horse in New York, and they're going to compete in New York for the amount of money, I think uh, that's what uh, attracted me was was the purse money. And Aqueduct with the short fields, just toughen out the winners.
0: As a relatively new trainer, without the reputation or the finances that Todd Pletcher's owners have, for example, how were you affected by the shutdown and by COVID nineteen?
2: Overall, we didn't we didn't do much nothing, nothing different. I got I got help too from the government. We got I got a little loan and, and the help. From but overall my, my brother he's the finance behind this whole operation and he was still in business so with our earnings we kept everything going and overall like not much change that's why we ended up going to uh kentucky to uh to run a couple horses over there i took eight o- horses over there to kentucky and it was just a learning experience met a lot of people made some connections in, in kentucky and we ended up coming back to New York once they opened it. We just didn't know a date that New York was going to open. That's why we made like the move to Kentucky.
0: Did you have to convince your brother at the beginning of this a year or two ago that you wanted to do this? Did he say you must be crazy, or were you both totally on board together?
2: No, we were on board from the get-go. He he had that, that horse racing fever just like me When once we started in 2012 me and him were grooming i was riding he was doing everything else and uh he has a a better memory better better understanding has does his research more on claiming horses where to where to put them and um overall i think it's just a team effort that where to where our success is
0: today you're not only first lines trainer of course but as we mentioned you're co-owner So in the Travers, notwithstanding the Tis the Law ownership group, you could be up against Kevin Plank, founder of Under Armour. He owns Sagamore Farm, which campaigns South Bend. We mentioned George and Lori Hall in our open. He's a billionaire hedge fund manager. Mystic Guide is owned by Sheikh Mohammed of Dubai. So you get the idea. How do you feel taking them all on in a race of enormous magnitude, the Travers? Bring it on. I
2: just, anything can happen in a horse race. As long as my horse is fit enough that it showed him in in that race going the mile and an eighth, I think he's going to outrun his odds. At the end of the day, I think uh, we're shooting to win, be it who it comes. I'm
0: 100% confident that uh, we're going to run a big race. And we certainly wish you the best of luck on Saturday. Thank you so much, Mr. Noda. Wishing you continued success. I greatly appreciate it. The Travers is one of two major final preps on Saturday before the Run for the Roses. The other, believe it or not, is the Ellis Park Derby. We'll take a look at them both and reset the entire Kentucky Derby picture when the In The Gate podcast continues.
1: And the field is at the top of the stretch, and there goes Tis the Law now to take over. It's Tis the Law in front of... In the stretch, and there's an eighth of a mile to the finish. Dr. Post moves up on the outside into second, but it is tis the law, and the New York Red is going to win New York's Belmont Stakes, the first leg of the 2020 Triple Crown, tis the law, by four lengths.
0: It has been many years since a Triple Crown race winner ran in a non-Triple Crown race during the Triple Crown. But that's exactly what we're faced with this Saturday when Tis the Law takes to Saratoga Racecourse to contest the Travers Stakes after having already won the Belmont. In this COVID-reconfigured world, the Kentucky Derby isn't until Labor Day weekend, so four weeks out from the Derby, we have the final two major dress rehearsals. The Travers, and believe it or not, the Ellis Park Derby. Yes, the Ellis Park Derby pays Kentucky Derby qualifying points. So let's get into these two races and break down the Kentucky Derby picture, which we haven't done on this show in a while, by welcoming back our friend Molly Joe Rosen, who hosts the Beyond the Races podcast on the Believe Network. Believe, the podcast network is spelled B-L-E-A-V, if you're looking for the show. And it is so good to be back with Molly. So how cranked up do you think tis the law is for this race? The Kentucky Derby is the big prize, but the owners are all based in Saratoga. Where the Travers is the big prize. How do you see this race shaping up from his standpoint, Molly?
3: Well, it's great to be back with you, and and you know, Tiz the law is such an interesting horse. He has been a standout from quite uh, quite literally a year now. Uh, he debuted a winner uh, back at Saratoga on August 8, twenty nineteen, and you know, here is a you know, it's it's very rare where we get the the chance to to talk about a Saratoga, you know, the Champagne winner still being, you know, eligible, even, you know, running for the Travers. So it's, you know, it's a nice thing to, to see there. But this is interesting. And this is where, uh, like you said, you know, do they want, you know, they won the Belmont, that's great. But, you know, the big prize is still a month and change away. So, you know, do they really want to win the Midsummer Derby, which has always been, you know, something on the, on the calendar that you do aim for as an owner. But, you know, if you had to choose, I can guarantee you Sacatoga Stable wants the Derby win. That said, this is one of those things where having a horseman who has been in the game, sorry to call him old, but having a horseman who is in the game as long as Barkley, as careful as Barkley, as studious and, and knows his horses as well as Barkley Tag does, this is where I would actually say, if you're going to bet his law, as short of a price he's going to be, you can feel really confident that, you know, he was, you know, great a month and a half ago. He's probably going to be great this weekend, and he's probably going to be just as great a month from now. That said, no question Sakatoga, if given the choice, is going to want the derby derby win. But I think, you know, they've worked him consistently. They've worked him well. They haven't cranked him you know, they haven't, you know, tightened the screw so hard that he's firing bullets every week, which is also not Barkley Tag's MO anyway. But, you know, they have really done a great job in managing this horse in the mornings and the afternoons so that he really only has one, quote unquote, blemish on his record. And that was he was beaten less than a length you know, eight months ago in the jockey club at at Churchill. So, you know, I I think it's what we're seeing with Tis the Law is just a truly spectacular version of of racehorse management.
0: Speaking of management, there's a lot of competition, and we'll get to Uncle Chuck in a minute, but Country Grammar is being managed on a 23-day turnaround after winning the Peter Pan on opening day at Saratoga. Chad Brown wishes there was more time, but eight horses is a pretty short field for a race like this. So Country Grammar's here. How does he turn around on a 23-day rest?
3: You know, the the timing doesn't freak me out as much as it would if it were, say, sub-20, and I know it it's, you know, it's it's kind of splitting hairs there, but if anybody can have a horse ready, it's gonna be Chad Brown. The one issue that I would have in looking at Country Grammar's past performances and, and how this horse is run. You know, on the one hand, where I am not somebody who needs to see a horse win every race, uh, I am somebody you know, like like tis the law, or or even honor a record for the most part, you know, out here in Southern California. But with Country Grammar, he's he's been hit or miss in his career. More importantly, though, when you look back at it, he's been four wide, three wide, lost footing, five wide. He bumped even in in winning the Peter Pan. So. I don't know that, that he is his own best friend. I think he may have to, I think more, more than even time between races, we're watching a horse develop mentally and uh, that he may be his own worst enemy in that if he can't overcome, I mean, he's clearly shown that he can win in a troubled trip, but if he gives himself too much to do, there may not be enough horse for Irad to work with there.
1: Now Uncle Chuck ups the ante. Does he? What? In the twinkling of an eye, he gets on terms. Three-eighths to go, coming around the far turn, and Uncle Chuck putting the nostrils in front of great power. Thousand Words latching onto the back of Uncle Chuck. And it's Uncle Chuck by one length. Thousand Words is trying hard to get on terms, but Uncle Chuck has the lead. He's clear, he's increasing his margin, coming past the 16th pole. Uncle Chuck racing away from Thousand Words.
0: Uncle Chuck by three. Uncle Chuck now represents one of trainer Bob Baffert's best two chances to win a record-tying 6th Kentucky Derby. Ben Jones has the record, though he really didn't train Citation in 1948. His son did, so you might say that Baffert is already tied for the record. But anyway, not too long ago, we thought we'd be talking about Nadal and Charlatan as Baffert's Derby chances. They're on the sidelines. Uncle Chuck will try to do something almost as, if not more impressive than what Triple Crown winner Justify did two years ago. Remember, Justify won the Triple Crown after not debuting until February of his two-year-old year. year. Uncle Chuck did not surface on the track until June, won the Los Alamitos Derby last month, and comes in here as a very strong choice. Is the thinking here, it's Bob Baffert, of course he's going to win, or is Uncle Chuck up against it here?
3: I honestly think it's a little bit of both. I think this is a classic Bob Baffert move. The work line is quick. The horse is talented. The horse is undefeated, two for two with an 11 length combined win margin. The horse has done it pretty easily. Sayas really gave him a, a great ride at, at Salle last time out in, in winning the, the Sal Derby. This is a horse who I believe probably would have been on the justified train timeline uh, you know, with kind of a, a February debut, I think when they—my guess is—and I, I have no inside knowledge on this, but my guess is that when they saw what COVID was going to do, that if this horse was going to be ready in probably early March, uh, given kind of what you can see in the in the in the work tab line, my guess is this horse would have been ready about early March, and they went, you know what? We're going to give him a little bit of time. We're going to let him develop. He's got, he doesn't have the most precocious of pedigrees, he has a beautiful pedigree, his mama was, was a really neat horse. But I think this is a horse who in any other year, we would have been talking about back half or as a four year old. This horse as a traverse horse in any given year makes total sense, whether or not he debuted in June or, or otherwise. I think this is a horse who needed some, probably needed some time mentally, you know, I know that, that Bob originally had the horse in the shared belief, or was looking at the shared belief as kind of an insurance policy. Uh, he already had two other horses in the race. So, you know, why not? You know, I know this was the race they wanted anyway. This is a grade one. This horse has a stallion's pedigree. I mean, this is, you know, everything about this screams classic Bob. And this is not a horse that was going to go, once they, once they knew authentic was heading to the Haskell, this was not going to be a Haskell horse, though he fits that bill as as almost exactly the same personally i think you know the litmus test of of can he beat horses that have this much experience i don't care who uncle chuck's workmates have been in the morning there is just a difference between tis the law who has traveled and done it and run it and tis the law's case won it you know country grammar has five lifetime starts like you know even some of the more long shoddy horses you know, first line or or shivery, who, for the record, I love shivery in the Florida Derby, still one of my greatest plays of the year. I don't care what races we run. But you know, a horse like shivery, who's run 12 times, goes up against a horse like, you know, Uncle Chuck has to contend with that he's still figuring out. And it's the first time he's shipping, he still has to figure out what it is to come off a plane, walk into a paddock you've never walked into. You know, luckily, he knows, you know, the jock, but surroundings he's never been, in a paddock he's never been, in a gate he's never you know, gate crew he's never seen. Horses are really adaptable. and by the way, you're also asking him to run, I believe, further, yeah, than he's ever run before. So you know, it's a little bit of a tall task for Uncle Chuck. However, it's Baffert, anything is possible. If you are looking for a horse to play that isn't, tis the law or even country grammar, yeah, of course, Uncle Chuck is logical, but warning he's gonna be a shorter price then, at least in my world, I would be comfortable taking.
0: Molly Joe Rosen, who hosts the Beyond the Races podcast on the Believe Network, is with us here on In the Gate. Let's quickly touch on the Ellis Park Derby and then hit the bigger Kentucky Derby picture. You'd have to think that Bluegrass Stakes winner Art Collector is going to tower over this field at Ellis Park. What a terrific story. Tommy Drury, very heretofore unknown trainer, thrust into the limelight. What does he do with Art Collector? He's got plenty of points to qualify for the Kentucky Derby, as we said about Tis the Law. How cranked will Art Collector be on Sunday?
3: Uh, From what I read about uh, the work at Churchill this week, yes, even though and especially since it was in the mud and wasn't perfect, uh, perfectly uh, perfect conditions. uh, You know, the cool thing about this Derby is we've, you know, at least as as the field is starting to shape up, we've got a lot of guys the Barkley Tags with Sacatoga Stable, who already have a Derby win. We've got the Bafferts, who has like, I don't know, a hundred of these things already. You know, we get a lot of the guys who have been on the trail. Obviously, Chad and Todd have have run their horses plenty. Uh, John Sheriffs as well, too. It's really, really, really cool to see, though, especially the Midwest-based horses, the Tommy Dreweries of the world, because... You know, even the Greg Foley's with, um, uh, you know, the, the horse whose name I always blank on, um, you know, getting to see guys like Tommy Drury really get the the spotlight they deserve. You know, Tommy has has paid his dues. He's, he's an amazing horseman, trains primarily out of the Skylight Training Center just outside of Louisville, does a lot of work with a lot of very, very, very talented horses. For a long time, my understanding was he had a lot of the Claiborne horses on layup, so they would be with Al Stahl, they would go to Tommy, Tommy would work with them for a little bit, and then they would, they would ship back to Al. That's incredibly common in all of horse racing, where you, where you see that. And it really is a sign of uh, confidence when, when an owner in a barn with such a storied history, you know, uses, you know, somebody who's, who's got equally as storied, but maybe not as public a history uh, as, as Tommy. It's really cool to get to see everybody realize what a crazy good horseman he is. Uh, I love the connection between him and Brian Hernandez, who Brian Hernandez Jr. is going to win at least a derby in his career, if not several. Brian is an amazing rider, and I know he's had a couple derby mounts, but really um, just one of those great journeymans and just is a great story and a great racetrack family. So You know, a horse like Art Collector, you kind of have to root for him. Mr. Lunsford has has paid his dues and put a lot of money into the game. Here's a horse who has done less than nothing wrong since all the way back last November. They brought the horse along the right way. Um, They let him develop mentally. They let him develop physically. uh, And his race record has proven it. I mean, he's three for three this year and, and has really done nothing wrong. They've all been blowout wins. Question would be, who's he beaten? maybe a little bit. Some of those AOCs were, were good company, maybe not spectacular. Probably gonna be the same question with this field. You know, there is no tis the law in here. Art collector is the tis the law of this field. So that said, he's working by all accounts very well. They've done it right. I personally like that they're gonna run him this weekend. I think it's an interesting choice the way the revised schedule has, sh- has shaken out that a lot of guys are choosing to wait and train up to the Derby. Uh, and that's true of, of all the major circuits. We see it with some SoCal horses, a lot of the Midwest horses, and even some of the New York guys. I think that's an interesting strategy. It goes against conventional wisdom that we're all used to in talking about the Derby Derby when it's when it's in May. Usually a horse that takes six weeks off, you're like, oh God, no, not in a million years. Um, avoid, avoid, avoid. But when you get into later races in the season, it's not unheard of. To, you know, take a month between or a month and a half or even, you know, I mean, the the King Guillermo four months is a little weird to me, but, you know, I get it. Everybody trains differently. So I like that art collector, they're going to take the shot this weekend, you know, as opposed to a horse like major fed, major fed, you know, Greg Foley has said they're going to wait. I'll be curious to see if they actually do. But You know, I think this is clearly art collector's race to lose at Ellis this weekend. A horse like Dean Martini is interesting. Depends on which version of him decides he wants to show up. Obviously, Tom Amos has him figured out. He's been, you know, a a different animal since then. You know, that was probably going to be one of the better maiden claiming 50s or one of the better 50 claimers of the year. A horse like Shared Sense for Brad Cox. It's funny. Has actually a very similar pedigree as I'm looking at it. That that uh, art collector has, you know. There's a horse who similarly hasn't done a whole lot wrong, but I don't really know if he's going to wind up being the Derby winner. Other big name that everyone's been talking about, a Dior. We're going to go with that's how we say that name. That, that I don't see. I think this is. I think we're going to be talking about art collector into the starting gate for the Kentucky Derby in a month.
0: It is a lot to digest, but once we get through this weekend, that's pretty much it until the Kentucky Derby. So let the dust settle, see who you like, and the first Saturday in September is right around the corner. So Molly Joe Rosen, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be back with you.
3: Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to chat with you.
0: Our thanks once again to Molly Joe Rosen and Orlando Noda. While some who follow racing mainly care about power ratings, I love to see and hear and feel a race. But the COVID-19 shutdowns made it tough to experience racing, except that I know of a nook in a special place. So there I stood on Whitney Day at Saratoga Racecourse, outside the wrought iron fence on the final turn. The dirt track and the path from the barns to the paddock abut the street, You can feel the horses as their nostrils burn. I parked in town away from the track to make sure my car wasn't towed, and as I approached the track I thought I was nuts. But then I saw two other guys with cameras and their step stools and realized my plan was born from brains and guts. The day was a lot of fun considering we couldn't enter the grounds. We saw the horses come and go and race. It's yet another unique way I've experienced Saratoga. I'm good for the year. I've felt my happy place. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please make sure to rate and review the show. That really helps others find us. Maybe it'll even get us brownie points in the America's Best Racing Fan Choice Awards in November. You know, for Best Podcast, where we should have been last year. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We hope you're safe and healthy as you listen to this, and we'll see you next time.